back, and we back with a bang. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell coming back at you live and direct pro wrestling edition. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about as the winds of change are upon us. Are you ready for a revolution? Brandy, give it to me. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Randy, I'm all in regardless of what you were actually talking about. But if there's a chance you were talking about just wrestling, yes, she wasn't. I am all in for a big time week fresh off. Of course, WWE money in the bank and a lot good and bad to talk about in the world of Titan Towers in the few days that followed. And of course, the launch of AEW All Elite Wrestling with this Saturday's Double or nothing pay-per-view card from Las Vegas, where I would not necessarily say they're angling toward their debut red hot fire. We'll get into that and more, but the revolution is upon us. Your boy BC back with you. Syringe loaded, ready for insertion, performance enhancing audio coming your way. As you may have already heard, live from Fort Lauderdale this week, the CBS Sports home office. Excuse me as I belch a little bit, so please. Go back and check out our boxing and MMA offerings this week. Double appearances from one Brandon Wise, who I think a lot of people know. Hashtag Campbell Wise, survive or die. The sparring match is coming in 2019, three rounds or less. We'll see how that plays out. Just yesterday, I went to the boxing gym with young Brando. It was, a, it was an ish show, folks. We'll get into that in the future. But right now, it's pro wrestling time. I am sitting across from the damn Silver King and just a reminder, folks, if you like this show, right, if it if it touches you in those places, if it, if it makes you happy. Is that what gets you off? Don't you understand? We get them off. They don't get us off. Wow, Rick. Wow. Um, if, it, if, it, if it gets you off, please, five-star review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tinder, uh, J-Date, Napster. Wherever you can find the show, please spread the love for it. All right, but it is a lot going on in your boy BC. Must catch a jet plane back to the rich shores of Connecticut. So let me bring in my co-host, sing across from me in the flesh, folks. It is the damn Silver King. Say hello to the bad guy. Yeah, folks, he's never hedged. He loves pro wrestling. It's Adam Silverstein. Hey, now, BC, we do have a ton to talk about, but I'm glad we started this show with a filibuster. That way we can hit that full two-hour time mark. That's the goal, every single episode. The folks, Two hours. See, you got to give the people, Adam, what they want. What they want is a detailed intro telling them what's coming, what they should do, what they're going to like, what they're not going to like. Boy, BC brings it truth at all times, all right? Look, I had a prostate exam. I was honest about it. You can't lie to your fans, Adam, all right? A little too honest, I would say. All right, all right. Maybe a little too honest. Uh, I have just watched all of WWE's product from the past week in a span of less than uh, four hours, maybe. I mean, yeah. I cram-jammed this thing over the, over the last couple days, but uh, I'm back. I'm ready. I watched Money in the Bank. I didn't get to watch it live in my own backyard of Hartford, Connecticut. But, uh, wow, you know, good and bad, good or bad, WWE at least tried. In the midst of AEW's invasion on the world of pro wrestling, WWE tried something, Adam. And I guess at the very least, that's all we can, that's all we can ask for. No, I don't think that's necessarily fair because, you know, 
think about all these Game of Thrones fans right now, and I'm one of them, right? They wait, don't, wait the, are you the kind that, that gives spoilers online during the show, though? No. No. Okay. Just, try, okay. just make yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I didn't know if you had some uh, something I was not prepared for there. Um, but you, t- you talk about these Game of Thrones fans, and like I said, I am one of them. They don't just want the show to try. They want it to succeed. They invested seven years in this program on HBO, and they want the payoff. And the truth is, they're not very different from WWE fans. The difference is, WWE fans invest five hours a week, sometimes nine when there's a pay-per-view, every week, 52 weeks a year, not 10 episodes in an entire season, and they want payoffs. They want quality entertainment, and they want booking that makes sense. And while I did very much like Money in the Bank, and we'll talk about that, Listen, there's a lot of things that happened Sunday and Monday, not so much Tuesday, but Sunday and Monday that are like, yeah, I see what you're going for, and I appreciate the direction, but your execution is garbage. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it still tastes like Vince. It's like, it's a cruise ship analogy. It's like, you know, that's great that you got a steak on the final day, but it's still going to taste like the meatloaf from day two. it's not the creative. It's the execution, at, at least this time, this week. Previously, it was the creative. Here, I'm looking at what happened at Money in the Bank. I'm excited. I'm looking at what happened on Raw, and we'll get to it. But they introduce a title, no joke, I've been calling for since 2015. Name and everything. And they bring it back, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're doing it, and we'll get to it. But the execution was even worse than the execution at yeah, Money in the Bank. Yeah, the excellence of execution themselves, the WWE brass creative not getting the job done. But look, there's good, there's bad. You know, it is what it is. Pro wrestling, it's a great time, though. And the launch of AEW this week, you know, maybe two weeks ago I was more fired up. But, I mean, it's coming. Double or nothing is here. It happened. I feel like it snuck up on me. I can't wait to see how they hit, whether it's hit, whether it's miss. I can't wait to see what it changes in the game. I love all these names jumping ship or rumors of them jumping ship. It's just a great time to be alive. The business is red hot right now, Adam. This show is red hot right now. South Florida is red hot. Right now, a lot of crazy people in South Florida. A lot of crazy people down here. Uh, but it's it's a combination of all of that. Let's not forget. So we just came out of Money in the Bank. This weekend, double or nothing. The weekend after that, NXT TakeOver 25. Then there is one month, and yeah, we have Blood Money in the Sand 3 and Stomping Grounds, oh which, both God. of which make no sense. But there's one month between TakeOver and the G1 Climax. So all of a sudden... Wrestling really picks up because we have AEW. They're going to have their second event in July in Jacksonville. NJPW coming up. WWE now trying to match. NXT still being there as that beacon that we all hope every type of wrestling could achieve. And we're along for the ride. The bad news for you, BC, and it's not bad news, but you got all this happening. You also have Anthony Joshua fights. International Fight Weekend. WWE comes to my backyard for money in the bank, and I fly down to here and miss it and... NXT TakeOver 25 is going to be in friggin' Bridgeport, Connecticut. I grew yeah. up like 20 miles from there. And I'll be I'll be at the Garden in NYC. Anthony Josh, I'll be seeing him against Andy Ruiz Jr. But that's just the way it is. Because here's the thing. When the heavyweight champion of the world, and he has, of course, three of the four titles. We're not getting too deep into boxing here. But when he fights and you live two hours away, you got to be there. Because if the champ's going to lose and you didn't see it. Yeah, but it's not the fight we were promised, but it's still going to be a damn oh, good it's, fight. Oh, it's AJ's uh, U.S. invasion. I mean, I, yeah. I can hear Jimmy on that. I'm fired up. I'm ready. Uh, wow. Uh, hey, why don't we pause for a second before we get it going, okay? Because we want to just nail this. We want to nail all of our listeners. Is that Would that be a, a true statement? 
Well, at least a segment of them. All right. All right. You can decide which segment you're going after there. But uh, how about we come right back on the other end after a word from our friends and sponsors? Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we're back, Adam, and it is time to, to just put the fooling around behind us. It is time to get into the main event. This is the main event! So, BC, with so much to talk about, you know, we didn't really plan anything for the show. Should we start where the week started for us with the with uh, Money in the Bank? I love it. Okay. I love it. Can we start with something I don't love, though? Can I just give you yeah, a, let's start almost an anti-feel spot of the week? Anti-feel spot of the week. I mean, what do they call that? A kick-hole spot? A, a prostate exam? What do they call that thing? S-hole spot of the yeah, week. Yeah, S-hole spot of the week. It was from the Money in the Bank broadcast, which is why it's apropos. And it was the first commercials we saw for Death Money in the, uh, Blood Money in the, sand in the Desert 3 from Saudi Arabia. I mean, you want to talk about tacky, you want to talk about lame, what's as equal to or better than WrestleMania? Well, of course, it's the Super Saiyan Showdown live from Saudi. Like, the way they handled that could not be more tackier. Here's the bottom line. It's insulting. Insulting. And I'm not going down the political roads. I'm not going down. Look, we've nailed all that. It's it's just not good that they're there. Other people say there's other companies that are there and you don't care. All that is whatever. But again, this should be something independent of WWE and Saudi Arabia that doesn't even air on the network. That's just for them. The fact that it's not and that we have to be a part of this and that certain things get bastardized like matches and whatever is another thing we deal with. But to come out with what's better than Wrestle or as good, like it's just so freaking lame. No, Money in the Blood is not as good as WrestleMania. Well, actually, maybe maybe it will be. Maybe maybe uh, maybe this will be a fifteen-hour show. Well, it, it, the the tagline is it will be equivalent to or exceed WrestleMania. If that's the case, why are you holding WrestleMania? WrestleMania is your event. It's the showcase of the immortals, not the showcase that creates immortals due to killing journalists and stuff oh, like that. Wow, um, this wow. <laughs> but but in all seriousness, you're you're a hundred percent right though. Like. What what is the point of promoting WrestleMania as such a great event if you're going to say this is going to be as good or better, which is what they're saying? And what does that mean about SummerSlam and the Royal Rumble and the Survivor Series? You're bastardizing the rest of your product to promote this. And and here's the important part, right? We just got out of the last one, Blood Money in the Sand 2, where they basically didn't tell us it was in Saudi Arabia. They just called it Crown Jewel in Jeddah. And they only mentioned Jeddah at the height of the broadcast. They did not mention it once again. Now, not only are they back to calling it Saudi Arabia, not only is all this going down, they are trying to get us to believe and buy in that this event is somehow grand and great when most of the matches that are on the card 
have zero build. Now, that doesn't mean all of them don't. Balor versus Andrade, and when we get maybe closer to the show, we'll talk about how ridiculous it is that they're promoting the demon as in that match already, but that had build. Andrade's beaten him. It makes sense to have it on the show. But they're literally just taking shit and throwing it against the wall and saying, this shit that we're throwing against the wall is as good as WrestleMania. And you're going to enjoy it on Friday afternoon from Saudi Arabia where the people in the crowd won't even be watching it. It's like, put it on the network, do the equivalent of that grandized house show that they done in the past, like that one in Japan that time or whatever. But then, like you're saying, to insult us with the... I I can't do it. It it makes them look... Every inch of how they handle this makes them look like absolute idiots. But you're right, though. Hold the event, make it grand, fireworks, do whatever you want to do, but don't include it in your weekly canon and your TV product. Just hold matches, put it on the network, promote it without insulting language, let fans watch it or don't watch it, and then you're fulfilling your obligation to the country. I don't know why they have to promote it. Like, I don't... I can't... I don't know. It has to be in the deal. It has to be in the deal. Because don't forget, the first one had all the propaganda. And they didn't air the propaganda in the second one because that would have made them look terrible. That may be back. Let me guess. No women's matches, right? And there's no women's matches yeah, still. That's great. That's I thought, great. I thought, there, I thought we were advancing the culture over there. Goldberg, stay home, please. Don't do it. Anyway, it's let's really get into ridiculous. Money in the Bank, the pay-per-view, not inside the sand. And overall, Adam, I watched this after the fact. I knew the spoilers. But with all that said, especially ring work-wise, really strong pay-per-view. I think there are issues to be had with the show. But if you're asking me, was I entertained for four hours? I was fully entertained. It was, in my opinion, a B-plus pay-per-view because it wasn't perfect. But it was a B-plus. Like, almost every match delivered or at least had me excited or interested. And even, and maybe we'll just start here and throw it off, even that Roman Reigns-Elias match. No, 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 no. Well, no, no, here's what I'm I'm saying. I didn't want to see that match. They made it at least interesting, and they gave me no match. They gave me five seconds. So they I made an interesting was... segment out of something that I had no interest in. Right. Well, I didn't think the segment was that interesting, and I think that the only thing we can praise them for is not letting it go long, but then it's like you're celebrating their ineptitude of not even being able to entertain us with it. It felt like a bad Raw sketch. It just felt bad. Yes, yes And fair. lucky, I wasn't that popped and excited for Mysterio Joe, and at least it was quick, but to have a title change that quick? So apparently... Come on. So apparently, and I look, who knows what's true, who knows what's, true, what's not true, someone reported that that was not supposed to finish quickly, and that when Joe got busted open, the call from the back was to go to the finish, because they saw gushing blood, and they thought it was like a really bad situation. So maybe that wasn't the call, but I kind of wish it was the call, because it's good booking. They had the short WrestleMania match, now Ray wins the short rematch, and now Joe's pissed, even more angry, and wants to go fight Dominic and rip his head off and do all this stuff. So I actually thought that was the booking, and I thought it was great. And any, listen, anytime you're going to see Joe busted up and bleeding like oh, that, it was great. It was awesome. I mean, I didn't necessarily need a cage match or for it to go that long. That 13 minutes felt like about 26. But with those minor sort of uh, nitpicks out of the way, the action delivered, booking was 50-50 in terms of what I liked and didn't like. But, God, well, let's, let, hold on. I got go to hit the damn button right now to explain how I feel, Okay. Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. Oh my God. The mega powers exploded in my pants, Adam. This wasn't booked like a Vince McMahon match. This was booked like a Triple H match, and it was fantastic. They let them go out there and see what they can do. How many times is it Rollins against Ziggler? And we're like, you know, if they let them do that, we actually could get a five-star match. And I know sometimes they, like, 
AJ and Cena had that great rivalry. Those were WWE matches, right? Like WWE five-star matches. This didn't necessarily feel like a WWE-style booked match. It was wonderful. The uh, innovation, the inverted uh, Superflex Falcon Arrow, Falcon Arrow was yeah. insane. The reversals, the kickouts, the near falls. This is everything I want. And I and it almost makes me mad that in the end what this match is on the entire card is almost like an attraction. It's like, hey, real wrestling fans, here, get this so we can be satisfied. All wrestling should be like this. In a match this important, and by the way, reminder, it's for arguably their most important title with arguably their two best workers and superstars outside of Roman maybe. This should be the norm. We should be going for five stars every paper. I spit across the room here because I'm fired <laughs> up. Damn, that was good. The best compliment I can give it is that could have main evented a takeover and we wouldn't have batted an eye. That's how damn good it was. Um, I thought it was probably a couple false finishes and a little bit more drama away from being five stars. It's a BS grade anyway. It doesn't really matter whether we give it five or 4.75. But it was a little bit shy of that in my opinion. But it was damn good. And honestly, even including the AJ Cena matches and the AJ Brock and the Daniel Bryan Brock and all those other matches... I can't remember seeing a better WWE match in a long time. Yeah, it, main roster match. At least for men. At least for main roster match in a long time, it was perfect. It, it, it makes you go, why can't we have that all the time? When, again, uh, you hate when I do this, but I go, you know, Japan, when we know we have great workers and big cards, guess what? They deliver. They give you four and three-quarter match. So, so I'm, I'm going to ask you this. What happens when they don't deliver? When you have guys in a match and there's a core group in WWE who are just phenomenal workers who could do this in their sleep. They could approach five stars in their sleep. When it doesn't happen, is it because of too often WWE-style booking gets in the way? Because, like, AJ and Joe had a pretty damn good feud, but I felt like they didn't touch their potential and what they could have done in the ring. Um, I think there was a ceiling they didn't hit. That's fair. But those matches were very good. It just doesn't... More often than not, though, with the big-name superstars, it doesn't feel like they they give you a good, solid WWE four-and-a-quarter match, but it almost as if they're not trying to go out there and give you five. I don't know that it's not trying. So I think people need to remember this match occurred during Game of Thrones series finale. So they gave them the time to stretch because they didn't want to have six matches in that hour-and-a-half window. They wanted three. And that's what they did. So they said to these guys... We're going to give you the time. Go out there and be great. That was part one. Part two is they have great workers. And part three, it was a clean finish. And WWE does not give us clean finishes. Did I say fishes first? Whatever. Finishes. AJ put Rollins over clean. That matters. And you know what? They followed it up on Raw. It didn't hurt AJ. AJ's like, damn, I lost that. I didn't expect to do that. I have some soul searching to do. I'm going to make it back there. That's a storyline. Oh, and then the handshake moment after with AJ whispering but loud enough to hear, do you know how hard this is for me? Like, put your hand out. Like, I love that. Look, it's it's not that hard. I want to pause and give WWE praise. I say it all the time. You're going up against a presidential debate. You're going up against a national championship game. Don't punt. Don't punt. Make those people feel like they're missing something out. This was Game of Thrones. This was a cultural event. Yep. This was 13 million viewers to a premium pay cable. This was a big-ass deal and they went for it. That's you, WWE. That's who you need to be. I was watching Game of Thrones on my main TV. I have a projector. I put this to the side. And I was messaging with Jack because you weren't able to cover it live. We were both watching Game of Thrones on our primary TV. And we were messaging at the same time. And, and back and forth. Do you see what's happening here? Are we really not watching this live? <laughs> and what happened was I saw out of the corner of my eye this incredible match happening. 
and they made me regret watching Game of Thrones. Wow. And, 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 also, and, and look, Game of Thrones as well. And when you ask Trips and he gives you those corporate answers of, well, we're not competing against Japan. We're competing against the NBA and the NFL Netflix and, and Netflix. And, and, and you hate that answer, but uh, you get it from a business standpoint. And they were. And they went for it. So thank you, WWE, for trying. Adam, I feel like, and it coincides with WWE being awful lately. Or, or not, okay, being really bad and then repairing it. There was a, a really month-long period that was awful. I'm, I, I feel like the intentions of the revolution are working. I feel like... Their awfulness mixed with the criticism, mixed with the bad ratings, mixed with the launch of AEW is at least like there's, there's the coals are being lit. I think there's pressure from AEW, but I think the reason, the catalyst for change is the ratings. The ratings have been god awful. And by the way, they were back up to a 2.6 this week. They, they gained 200,000 viewers week over week. And you know, when you listen to this pod, I don't care about ratings, especially when they're going up against NBA and a Warriors game at that. And they were still up. They tried. They promoted a new title. We'll get to that. Um, and other things happened on that show as well. Brock Lesnar, obviously, which we're going to talk about in a, in a moment. They gave fans a reason to tune in. And they kept them interested throughout the entire show. There were 200,000 up, hour one, hour two, hour three. So those people that came stayed. And that's important for WWE. Yeah. But you're right. It's very much revolution. But for me, it's it was way more the rest. Adam's doing a lot of teasing the bag. A lot of, wait, we can't talk about that well, now. We're, we're, try, we're trying to get some money in the bank. Hey, so you far. tease the bag. You're going to get the mess eventually. Right? That is that true. Disgusting. Okay, so we talked about that match. We might as well go to talk about the other main men's match. Uh, you had Kingston, Kofi Kingston, winning clean. And yeah, it didn't live up to maybe Rollins Styles, but a damn good match with Kevin Owens. No help from New Day. No help from Sami Zayn on Kevin Owens' part. Clean win again for, the, for a face champion. These are things we're not getting. We got them back to back. Basically. All right, I'm not going to hate on it. It was 14 minutes. I thought it was serviceable. I thought it was fine. I was surprised they didn't take the title off Kofi. I wasn't mad when they didn't, but it was what it was. It moved the chains. It was serviceable. That's all I got. Okay. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. It, I'm not it, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't have to pop your feel spot. Not every great good match has to, but for me, someone who likes Kofi and who expected Owens to win, I was pleasantly surprised to see that, wow, this show, they're really giving us good matches. They tried really hard. Um, and they didn't do interference and dumb stuff. Like, that's the thing, man. The, the, the problem with WWE, and this is why I am excited for AEW, AEW wants wins, losses, and clean finishes. What WWE gives us so often, look at the AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura feud. It's matches that have the potential to be great, but aren't because the finish is a kick to the groin, a disqualification, someone running in. So, And this happens all the time. They stayed away from that for the most part at Money in a Bank, and I know people that are listening right now. You're going to say, Silver King, what the hell are you talking about? The referee stuff was horrible the whole night. And you know what? You're right. Yeah, what the hell was it that? It was totally distracting. It ruined two matches, clearly. And a lot of people online were saying, you know what? It ruined two matches. They, a third referee issue happened. They're building to a storyline on Raw. They're going to pay this off. They didn't. So so, it, that, so we're led to believe that in major matches, we had multiple referee mistakes. The referees are apparently horrible. And now maybe there, maybe we don't know what the circumstances are. Maybe one was saving a planned finish. Maybe another was didn't check actually to make sure the arms, uh, shoulders are down. But apparently from what Bruce Pritchard has said on his show forever and what people inside WWE have said forever, the direction from Vince McMahon is to call it in the ring. And if the talent screws up, it's on them, not the referee. If someone's shoulders are pinned for three counts, you do it. And if someone's shoulders are up for three, you don't count it. And Samoa Joe's shoulders were completely up. And if that was the storyline for that match, that's fine. But there's really not an excuse in the Becky Lynch match 
for that happening. And we can transition now and talk about the women's championships and we'll maybe include Money in the Bank here as well. I think for you, you expected her to lose both titles. I expected exactly what happened. Her to beat Lacey, lose to Charlotte Flair. Were you pleased with, before we get into the cash and all the other stuff, how those matches developed, played out, and the results that we got from them? I actually liked a lot of it. I liked that Lacey, Becky was only eight, kind of give me eight hot minutes and get out of there. I thought Lacey, and I, this was what I was looking for most, can Lacey hold up her end of the bargain in an, in an elite pay-per-view title match after such a good build in which she overachieved? She showed us that she can do it. Yeah. I was very pleased with her work, her intensity, all that. I even liked the booking of her losing to Becky, Charlotte rushing out and saying, no, we're going to do this now, and then Lacey ultimately costing Becky with the women's right, which carries their feud forward. Now, that's a very stereotypical WWE-style booking, but again, you can execute simple and have it work, or predictable. We always say it. If Predictable is one thing. We don't always love predictable, but if you do predictable, great. We're more than happy with it. I was really happy because we didn't need Charlotte and Becky to go long. They didn't. They went six minutes. It actually was pretty intense, six minutes. All in all, with that, I was happy with it. I didn't love the, the Bailey. I'm not a Bailey Mark. I didn't love the Bailey cash-in. I hate that they cashed that in on not only on night one, but like, a, you know, 10 minutes in. Like, I would have loved to develop storylines around that. All it did, the only thing they accomplished there was giving Charlotte another reign so we can get her to 16 really fast. Like... What are we doing? Are they trying to get to 16, knock on wood, before Rick dies? Or are they just trying to get to 16? Great question. Or are they just trying to get to 16 before she maybe reaches the age or relationship status where she wants to go have a kid? Where where she gets 16, leaves, and then 17 is her return. I love I love uh, non-father Silverstein always calling children the kid or a kid. Kids. Or... What, what's wrong with calling children kids? A child. A child is a nice way to say but it. A kid, is, a kid is not insulting. You're always like, if Rousey goes out and has the kid, then, you know. Has like... kids. All right, all right. It's literally a t-shirt in WWE. I have kids. What's, pro- what's wrong with that? The, a kid singular is, 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 is look, look, when you, when you, when you have a kid, you're you more pop sensitive. one out, it, it's, it's not a kid anymore. Well, you didn't it's, pop one out. Your wife did. Let's not. Well, come on. I was there for the journey. But anyway, uh, uh, the point on this ultimately is, uh, a big story obviously was Rick Flair's health and that's ongoing right now. And apparently, and, so Rick Flair actually just tweeted while we're on the show that he's out of the hospital and re- resting comfortably at home. Thoughts and prayers. God bless him. That man is a fighter and, uh, you know, tough break that, that he won't be at Starcast this, this weekend that, uh, his roast that you heard on this show will not be happening. But, um, I wonder if that's part of it. That's a good point of getting Charlotte to this point and having this moment before too late, before, you know, it, it's interesting. But, but to, to, but to force 16 title reigns in that period of time, I mean, it's insane. Well, I'll give them credit. It's While insane. they've been forcing it, they haven't forced it enough where I think everyone's noticing. I think. Oh, been... no, that's not true. Sasha Banks having seven day and one month title reigns. Bailey's going to lose this at the next pay-per-view. So I just don't I mean... get this Bailey situation here because what are we doing here? Is this only to, to prove to Sasha, who still isn't plugged in on the roster right now, that, like, look, your partner is getting a push? Because why? unless you're turning Bailey heel, unless you're telling a story here, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Unless you just wanted that cheap Hartford pop and the, and the crowd kind of gave it to him. Well, uh, first of all, I think this was the Sasha booking. So I don't think this is proving anything to Sasha. I think this is what they were going to do with her. I don't think they have this plan for Bailey. It was the way to work Sasha back in. So with Sasha not there, it's saying, well, you're, whether you're taking your break, whether you're protesting, no matter what you're doing, your best friend who was here and who went through the same thing you did, dropping the titles and fighting for them and has had bad booking her entire career in WWE. She's now the SmackDown Women's Champion. And by the way, she didn't just win the title. 
She won Money in the Bank that night, got a big, huge pop for winning that, which was a very good match. Maybe we'll talk about those together or something. And she that celebration in the crowd, Brian, that was natural. That yeah, was, I wasn't feeling it. That was natural juice from the crowd. She was over. She has it. I don't like the stars on her she face. She does not have it, bro. She has it. She doesn't. She Fans hasn't had love it. her. Okay, she hasn't had it since NXT. Let's be really honest. Fans love her. Well, her booking was garbage on Raw. I mean, it was really bad. Really bad. I think they Don't gave forget, her a they changed, they changed a title with Charlotte, where like she beat her at like a crap pay per view, ended her undefeated pay per view streak. Charlotte's at the time, where like two months later was WrestleMania, and she could have had a big moment. They had her beat Charlotte and then lose the title. Like it was, it was mind numbing. Harford on Sunday gave her a sympathy pop. It was a great to have you back in the in the graces of booking. But the bigger story here is Sasha. Where the hell is she? She's tweeting here and there, but nothing of any note that could tell you in either direction. But WWE seems to be almost trolling her. Did you see that WWE network yeah, email some people are getting? That's probably, like, been existing for, like, eight months or so. Okay, no way that's, so timing-wise, it's interesting. That's not trolling. It's a it's, it's an ad. It, it makes it rhymes. When you cancel the network, you probably get that. It doesn't. They didn't, they didn't create it now that the last two months that she hasn't been around. But you do you feel yes or no that they are sending her a message through? With Bailey, yes. Through Bailey's booking. Yes, I do. And it's a good message. It's such a dangling carrot, though. She's been there, and they haven't used her and things that well, matter. Listen, let's not forget. You talked about but prior to Becky, the best run of Charlotte's career was her feud with Sasha. So they did use her. The problem is they stopped, and they decided to go with Alexa Bliss. And that was the biggest mistake was Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax and, and women that, yeah, Alexa Bliss pops the crowd in more ways than one. Nia Jax doesn't. But Vince chose his blonde girl. Oh, don't say that about Nia Jax. I'm sure. I mean, she's definitely not like most girls, but I'm sure there's plenty of fans who. Uh, she doesn't she, pop the crowd. She pops for. Him. She doesn't pop the crowd in at least one way. Let's put it that way. You never know. People... I'm not saying which way. I'm just saying at least one of them. All right. Let me ask you. The, oh, but, you got but, a point? But, no, but the point is, is that he went with Alexa Bliss and no matter what brand she was on, she got the title. So there was never a scenario where Sasha Banks became the preferred leader on during the brand split because she was always losing to Charlotte. So she just got put in this really bad position. But right now, they need women on Raw badly. And apparently, she was supposed to be getting a push coming out of WrestleMania with this split. Bailey's got it. Good for her. But I thought, like, I thought the I thought the Money in the Bank match was great. I thought the cash-in was very good because she was hesitant because it was her friend. She wasn't sure, but she was knocked out. Charlotte didn't kick out. There was I thought she was going to just like roll her up and pin her, Charlotte, and like waste it. We'll get into wasting the money in the bank all in basically one night. This we'll guy get to that. teasing, teasing all I'm sorry. night, all I'm night sorry. long. I'm sorry, but I thought the women's segment as a whole was handled very, very well. It's just weird. Like when you are in a spot like Sasha where you're angry of, of lack of use, when they do finally give in and give you something, though, WWE has a way of making pushes feel annoying because they, they either don't put a proper story around it or the push ends soon. But uh, it just goes back to like, why do we have to be in this spot with Sasha? Why do we have to get to the point where the, where she's this unhappy when she's so talented? I know potentially there's behind the scenes issues. There's heat she could create. Maybe she's insubordinate. I don't know all that. But have to answer me this quick question of the NXT four horsewomen. Who's the best worker? Mm. I would have said for years, Charlotte. I mean, uh, Sasha. Probably Charlotte now. It's actually Sasha, just so you know. It's actually revisit their 2016 feud. It's actually Charlotte's, Sasha. Charlotte's really coming to Okay, around. who is, uh, who, you know, I mean, so, sometimes men She's have not to, the best talker. Sometimes men have to have conversations. <laughs> Sasha's my favorite. All right, you just nailed that, Silver yeah. King. And also, who has the biggest star potential? I, not, I was not sure what was going Not WWE star potential. Crossover star potential. Charlotte. 
I still say Sasha. Even, even with what Bex did with Charlotte, the, the Charlotte, you don't forget what you said about Charlotte, and I fully agreed with you. When Becky stepped up, Charlotte almost over. I'll give her that. I'll give her that. And her game is at a new level, both on the mic and in the ring. She is looking great. I mean, she sold that suplex out of the ring or, or whatever it was. I forgot the move. Or she tried to hit natural selection, failed, hit the apron. Um, she sold that like she got shot. I mean, I was re- I have been very impressed with Charlotte. I know people don't like her getting the Roman Reigns booking, which she is getting. But aside from that, like she's delivering every single. She's kind of getting the Rick booking. I mean, she's getting a lot of short little title feuds, passing it off, getting it back. And that's what you are, Sasha. You're just a one night stand. Wow. But, but with the Rick booking, putting other people over, she put over Becky. She just put over. Well, I mean, that's what Rick did. I mean, revisit Rick's uh, 1987 title feud with rugged Ronnie Garvin, where he put up, they put the belt on Ronnie. And uh, title, yeah, I love that feud. That's the difference between when people say Charlotte gets Roman booking. That's the difference. Roman doesn't put every, anyone. I'm not saying he wouldn't, but he doesn't based and, on his booking. And by the way, I take that back. He was rugged Ronnie Garvin later in WWE. He was hands of stone Ronnie Garvin in NWA, and he was legitimate. I stand a good by. Nickname. He I can't like talk, nickname. but he could work. Uh I want to say that one final thing. The Bailey, like the length of time to cash in, why? So here's the issue. Why? Here's the issue, and we can transition it from the women's match to the men's match, and we'll talk about Brock and all that stuff. But what I think that when we did our preview, our Money in the Bank preview, right? I said I had two rules for Money in the Bank. One, don't cash it in immediately because we want these briefcases to last a period of time and bring excitement to Raw and SmackDown that they are trying to generate. And two, don't give the men's title to a white muscular guy who doesn't need it and they broke both of them okay i didn't i didn't necessarily mean and i but i although but i'm not happy both of the rules okay, I asked i'm not you're right and i'm not happy that she cashed it in that night and you're right but i'm not necessary and by the way your comment on the jacked uh white guy was a little interesting i'm a white boy and i'm jacked deal with it so deal with that i don't know what that is that's Brock Lesnar. Okay, you have these issues identifying Brock Lesnar's what, voice. When, on this when did show. he say that? What is that from? UFC 200. Um, anyway, oh, that's, okay. My so sorry, my problem sorry, is sorry. This. I don't remember the build to the Mark Hunt match. My fault. You're acting like it wasn't a big deal. It basically it was a big deal, but I don't remember the it build. Basically, sold a million pay per views. Anyway, uh, my point here is her indecision in the moment. I get her character. So if you want to do a real quick, like, what do I do? What do I do? I looked down at the case. Yeah, Adam, she was there for like three minutes. It's like, cash the thing in. Like, what is going on? Yeah. Why do they write those things in? Is that bad acting on Bailey? It may have been. It may have been Bailey's fault. Come on, Pam. <laughs> it may have just been like, they said, hey, hesitate, but cash it in. And she looked around. I think what it was, she looked around. The crowd started chanting. So they wanted that to reach a fever pitch. And then it did. And she goes, on the briefcase, cashes it in. Kyoto's there with a big, like, Father style grin on his face. By the way, you love butchering Kyoto's last name on Twitter. You love butchering it. I spelled it correctly. How'd you spell it? K E O T A C H I O D A. Come on, come on. He's only been there since okay, like 1993. I, I mean, come I, on. I butchered it then. Yeah, I, I will take responsibility. All right, women's match. Look, it was fun. I, I, there's not a lot to say about it. We got to keep rolling. But women's money in the bank ladder match. They did it early in the show to open it, which I thought was smart. And that's how you know they're going to cash it in whenever they do it to open the show. But it's pretty fun. It was a good match. Good business. Really good match. Like, Dana Brooke, like, kudos. You did a really damn good job. Naomi switched up her look. I thought that was pretty. She looked like a bumblebee, but she... Good. Could they give her a look where it's actually cool? That's the problem. It's always lame. By the way, you have... Uh, speaking of, so you have issues with Asuka wearing quote-unquote lingerie. She's not wearing quote-unquote lingerie. When my wife walks in the room and go, again, really? These, these chicks in lingerie? I can't defend it with okay. Asuka. And what do you think about Lacey Evans and her, and her get-up? 
I mean, but it's like more like like Becky's comment about you're wearing your grandma's uh, laundry. It's more like uh, like regal 1920s swing era laundry. It's well, at least it's, it covers more if you're like BC's wife walking in on a. It does not. Co- it covers equal amount. I love that there's like seven minutes of women's action on three hours of Raw, but my wife will walk in at the exact moment where Charlotte is busting out of her top, like uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's honestly, if you want to talk about like exposing women, I would say Alexa's butt and Charlotte's. Bosom are wow. are are wow. more are are bigger issues in terms of if, if you care about those things than Oscar's gear. Wow! Are you kidding me? Stick it right in me, right? In the, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm just saying if you're if you're going to make those comparisons, but I did. I agree with you though. I think the money, the women's money in the bank match was really good. It fully delivered. Bailey going over was great. I liked that they teased Sonya Deville, and that and by the way, impressive, carrying Mandy Rose on her shoulders up the ladder, like that's not easy. That's that's a workout warrior right there. That's someone training with Sheamus. You know that that's what that showed me. Um, I thought that was really good gimmick. Her getting up there and Bailey winning ultimately was great. Cash in, you know whether you like it or not. But if we're going to talk about that men's match, first of all, I cannot believe and and no one checked on him. Apparently, I don't know how Finn Balor's alive. Ali was incredible. Andrade was great. Randy basically chose not to take any bumps, but somehow was still very good in the match. I mean. Honestly, there have been a lot of Money in the Bank matches. There have been a lot of ladder matches and TLC matches in WWE. If we exclude the ones that included included the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian, Sunday night was up there with my favorites. I'm going to stand right by you and say, hell yeah. That match was great. And the ending changed it for a lot of people. And I love and hate the ending. But you just want to talk about spots and the timing of the spots and that stretch of one-upping where you're like, oh, my God, like, they're never going to breathe again, let alone walk. I mean, that guy's never given birth. Like, wow, uh, Finn sold out. I actually had a bunch of DMs from people who were basically like, are we in the spot monkey era? Like, is this too much for just some in-between spots here? Like, for if you're a little in-between guy, you're kind of just used to mm. break your body and throwing around. I mean, I mean the, the ladder outside was gimmicked, clearly. The one that snapped in half. I don't think it was gimmicked. <laughs> Dude, it snapped like a, like a twig. But uh, the spot of the night was uh, the, the sunset flip powerbomb Andrade on Balor and Balor bouncing off. That's just one of those, like, cool results you saw. Intense match. I liked it all the way until they did that too much grandizing on Ali, which, of course, led you to believe he was going to win. But also in the moment kind of, you know, was like, okay, they're talking about Ali a lot and he's taking forever to put the ladder. And they left hanging the hole. There's no eighth man in the match. The entire match They kept talking about it. And as we talked about leading into Money in the Bank, they kept talking about Brock Lesnar in the Rollins Styles feud. And it swerved me. I thought we were going to get an interference in there. I said it in our prediction I thought Braun Strowman would come out and make his presence felt, you know? That could have been possible, too. But I thought we were going to get the Brock Brock Lesnar interference in that match because he was advertised for Super Showdown, Blood Money in the Sand 3, and we knew it was going to happen. So it was shocking to me. They did swerve me and surprise me with Brock. The question is, was it good or was it troll booking? All right. Before I get into that, one more thing. Shout out to Ali for that Spanish fly. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was such a great spot. And I thought that they were going to fall on their face and die. Um, So I'm obviously torn on it. Okay, I am shocked. So my overall take on on Monday on Sunday was, uh, yeah, they they did a lot to piss me off. Overall, I don't like the Brock thing overall. But there's a lot to like and dislike between Brock. 
But I'm not ready to necessarily jump off a cliff on WWE. And Adam, we got flooded with an S load of DMs. And again, I'm, these aren't just the BC boys who are ready for Red and Black Wolfpack who are like, hey, where's, why is Adam still on the show? It's talkbacks time. These are the people who are basically like, I don't get BC. My, dirt, my bed sheets have never been dirty, specifically not August of 2018. And Adam, this pissed off everybody. So look, in theory, it actually was well handled. Your point on being surprised was yes. It's really the Brock thing. You know what it is? Here's what it is. This pay-per-view felt like change. And if it didn't feel like change, it felt like WWE at least understands that they suck. And you're right. The only way they really get it is when it affects their money. And ratings affects their money. So that's the only time that they really get it. They actually don't care if podcasts like us every week are being like, I can't watch this anymore. Because guess what? I still have to watch it. So I'm still going to watch it. Um, this felt like a new direction Sunday night. And then to put a Vince capstone. And that's what booking Brock is a Vince capstone on the end of it. We don't get our indie darlings, right? We don't get Ali. We don't get somebody who we've been sort of hoping for or some kind of change to get away from the Lesnar title era. Like, by the way, it wouldn't kill you to book Lesnar into a, uh, even a Strowman food, a non-title feud where the other guy goes over or even a, uh, what's the new guy, Lars Sullivan, but which by the way, they, again, they did another raw spot horrible, during the paper. Just horrible. Just horrible. horrible. Um, so in theory, it's a surprise and it's not bad. I am blown away by how many people are like, this is it. This is the last straw. I'm never watching again. I cannot do this anymore. You have insulted me in the only button you could press that can insult me that hard. And it's going back to the well to Brock when we were seemingly transitioned away from him. Brock took a somewhat easy loss to Seth in the opening WrestleMania match. I know there's three stomps involved, but he kind of succumbed fairly easily it would seem like it would have been a smart idea. Put him in a non-title feud, keep him off TV for a while, have him do something different. It's hard for me to show you the anger I felt after watching Money in the Bank, which somewhat echoed the people, but not fully as much hatred, because Monday, Brock Lesnar hit a freaking home run. <laughs> and it's not just putting the boombox up to his face and, and laughing and, and doing the uh, Radio Raheem thing. It's not just that, because Sunday night when he's sitting on the ladder laughing, I was pissed off. I was like, again with this. And by the way, he is tan and jacked, jacked. and ripped. And he is back on that juice, brother. Yes, There's he is. no question about it. Yes, he is. He hit a home run. He was on the show in the beginning. He was on the show in the end. He is now in, in a couple different feuds at the same time. And his ability to troll with that briefcase and Paul Heyman's absolute brilliance on the microphone to sell everything he needs to sell and just, oh, yeah. I am suddenly like, because I love Brock. This is the right use of him. This works. Well, but Sunday night, it sucked. And I could read you 78. I'm only going to read you one. People are so pissed off. I, I, I just want to say, before you read the DM, this DMer and everyone else who said, that's my final straw, I'm not watching again, all of them, 100%, watch Monday night. All right. Have you ever heard of this guy, Rob Mowring? At R.R. Mowring, M-O-W-R-I-N-G. Is no. he part of our family? Or is he I new? mean, he is if he's DMing us, but he's new to me. All right, BC, this is it. I'm a long time, first time since the cheap heat days and probably the last holdout from the revolution. But BC, this is it. It was a layup. Vince couldn't possibly mess it up. All he had to do to pop the damn crowd was bring back the hardcore belt. 
In parentheses, it's not a title. And he couldn't do that. Title. More on us. I'm not going to read all his points on that. But he says, give Trips the book and put the old man out to pasture. <laughs> Vince, you backstabbed me for the last time between the 24-7 and Brock. You've thrown me out of barbershop window. You've thrown me through a TV. You've looked at my woman with lust in your eyes. And I still came back. But this is it, damn it. I've lost my smile, and I'm following BC to the Red and Black Wolfback podcast. I am finally ready for the revolution. And Brandy, I'm all in. Yeah, Brandy, I'm all in. Well done, Rob Mooring. But that sums up what everybody DM me after Brock. That this is the betrayal of a lifetime. I know you felt that. So I did, and I felt so conflicted in the moment. Because at one point, just like I said when I talked about Money in the Bank as a whole, I was fully entertained. His music hit. Ali made a great face. Now, Ali was a little bit too, too far up the ladder. That's nitpicking. It was a little... He could have just grabbed the briefcase and that's it. Um, but you heard the music. You saw the fans. It was tro- fully troll booking, in my opinion. They knew that fans... That's the last thing they wanted, and Vince did it anyway. And I'm watching him, and I had a smile on my face. I was like... This is legitimately funny to me. And he climbed up the ladder with ease. He tipped him off. He walked right up the ladder. He won. He crouched over the ladder. He's like looking at all the wrestlers on the ground that are all injured. Ha ha ha. Too bad for you or sucks to be you or whatever he said. It's been reported apparently that I don't know how it was would be possible that those in the ring didn't know the finish, but apparently they didn't. Some are saying that they didn't know Brock was going to be there and do that. Oh my god! I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or how. I don't know how it could be the case. Um, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm entertained, but at the same time, I'm like, I remember what I said on our show. I didn't want a big, muscular white guy who didn't need it to win it because what it does, especially along with Bailey winning and cashing in, it takes the most exciting product that WWE has. That can last the better part of a year. And it erased it in a single night. Because even if you don't know when he's going to cash it in. You know he's cashing it in for a title match. And you know he's going to win. Because they're not going to have Brock Lesnar be the third straight guy. To cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase and lose. Following Baron Corbin and following Braun Strowman. And it's just depressing and frustrating. When you're looking for ways to make your product exciting. You want to institute this wild card rule that was apparently come, come up with on the spot by Vince McMahon. You want to have stars on both shows. Well, you know what does that easily? Giving the Money in the Bank briefcase to a new star you want to create. Whether it's your IC champion in Balor, whether it's Andrade, who has a great mouthpiece in Zelina Vega, whether it's Ali, who's a babyface who everyone wants to cheer for, and maybe he cashes it in in a Cena-esque fashion. SummerSlam main event, and he loses. But at least it adds intrigue and it gets that person on both brands. Instead, they took the one guy who doesn't need it, who can return at any time and get a title match if he wants it, and gives it to him. When you and I talk about Brock Lesnar coming back to WWE and me saying I never want to see him again, and you saying, no, Adam, he's actually great and they need him. And then he performed on Monday great. And then he performed on Monday great. You are, you're always correct about that. But the difference is they need him on the brand, not in the damn title feud. They need him on the brand doing other things. You want him to beat Samoa Joe in non-title matches? Fine. You want him to beat Finn Balor and have him have to build himself back up into something? Fine. You want to put him over Roman Reigns for a bunch? Or you want to put him over Braun Strowman again and just bury Braun Strowman? Fine. Have him beat people. 
he does not need to be in title feuds to be relevant in WWE. But Vince refuses to have him there in any other circumstance. It hurts their product, it hurts their roster, and it hurts me because I have to keep dealing with it. <laughs> if there's a cash-in either leading up to or during the Saudi thing about this, then, then it will have ruined it and I want nothing to do with it. But the only good takeaway is that with Brock being a part-timer and we never know when he's coming back, that surprise element, because when he does come back, he has he's it. got the title. And even though it's stupid, this wild card thing right now, he could show up on either show. And more than one person DM'd me, so I can't give one person credit. But a lot of people are like, well, this is obvious, right? That the first night of SmackDown on Fox in, what is it, October? He cashes in and takes that it from That he cashes it from Kofi or whoever. Roman or whoever. And yeah. if that's the case, that's not bad booking by any means. That's exciting that anything can happen. So... I'm not against that, even if he goes away for a couple months at a time, because you didn't waste the briefcase. It's still out there. But, but, I, but you're not seeing it every week, and, and the reason why the briefcase is good is because remember when Ziggler had it? So the champion, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was seen at the time. I don't remember. But the champion would lose a match, or he would lose via DQ and get beat down with a chair. And Ziggler would run out, and the crowd would get amped up. And then Cena would stand up, or again, I forget who the champion was, would stand up, and he'd be like, nope, I'm too smart for this, and he'd walk to the back. And they could pull that 20 times. CM Punk, CM Punk did the same thing. They could pull that over and over and over again. And now, by having giving it to Brock, Brock doesn't show up every week. So yes, he could, when he does show up, there's that threat. But you know what? When he shows up anywhere, there's the threat of Vince being like, oh yeah, Brock, you got a title match at the next pay-per-view. So it doesn't really utilize the Money in the Bank briefcase to its full, ex full extent. And the whole point of Money in the Bank is to be exciting. It's why they took it out of WrestleMania and gave it its own pay-per-view. So they could feature this really cool thing that WWE invented that has been knocked off by other promotions, by the way. They gave WWE, WWE created this great thing. And now three years in a row, they're just saying, eh, we'll cash one in and the other one will lose. What are they doing? In the end, even with Brock being amazing on Monday night, even with the idea of him being part-time with it, I don't hate... I understand anybody who is, this is the final straw. I'm turned off. This it's is not going the final right straw back to it. I understand that. So I'm really torn this week. And this is going to be my transition to the 24-7 title because we need to talk about it. It's a yes. major thing this week. I badly need I'm really that. torn this week because most of Sunday was great. Monday had some really good moments. I thought Tuesday SmackDown episode was pretty damn good across the board. Yes, it was. But overall... It's hard to care about WWE week to week and take it seriously when they do things that make it feel so stupid and make you feel so stupid for watching. And one of the major things that just smells, that just sucks and stinks to me, is the wild card rule. Is the, we no longer need or want to have a brand split, but we can't really admit publicly the truth that we failed and this is why and the networks are on us. So we're just going to... It's going to be the wild, wild west and wild card rule and any three or four can show up. But it really means anybody shows up and it's really weird and it's lame and other and it's just so lame. That kind of stuff, the lack of organization and planning just makes me feel like an idiot for watching. And by the way, if they do that in your favorite show like Game of Thrones, you'll be fired up and tweeting angry and thinking, do I want to keep putting my time in this? Even though that's one hour a week, this is many one hour a hours, week, 10 weeks a year, many hours yeah. a week. But in that category of when you're weighing the good and the bad, you're saying, why should I care this much? In the same bad category as the wild card is the handling, the theory, the timing, the everything around this 24-7 title. I hate it. I hated it. 
The announcement using Mick Foley was lame. And shout out to that crowd. Yes. What city was that Monday night? Tuesday Providence, was, I think. Tuesday was Providence. Oh. Monday was Hartford. Albany. All, shout out to Albany, New York. I've never shouted you out before. I don't attend your city. Uh, I don't really I don't, have any reason I don't to like you. Your city. Yeah, I don't. I, why, why am I going to Albany? I mean, there's no chance or reason. Maybe on the way to Saratoga to see my my cousin. That's about it. All right, Albany. You're not. I'm not. You're not getting my business or my pleasure or anything from me. But we say to fans, hit WWE or hit boxing or hit anywhere you you don't like what you're getting. Hit them where it counts, right? Like in by the way, WWE fans are doing that. They're not watching Ron SmackDown enough. Ron SmackDown is changing. They voiced their concern right away. They did not accept McFoley. There was no charitable Foley Foley. pop. When they put out that title and it had that stupid-ass design and they called it the 24-7 and the timing makes no sense to me and it's lame and everything about it sucks, that crowd went silent. And you could hear a couple boos and some weird chants and that crowd was silent. And here is a DM slide at short that explains exactly how I feel about this belt. Title. Bell, it's a damn belt. Yeah, you know what? Kentucky Long Rifle. I, I may acquiesce. This one's a belt. From Rob at Robbie Vogler. He says, Brian, this 24-7 belt is an absolute joke. What the hell is the point? It's a jobber belt. Nailed it, by the way, Robbie. Just name it the Steve Lombardi Championship and get out before it ruins another superstar. Absolute garbage. Other than that, Raw hasn't been too bad so far. Robbie was right on all of that right, right. there. So I got to talk about the 24-7 title because it's near and dear to my heart. It really is. I don't say that with any exaggeration. So when we started covering wrestling here at CBS Sports in 2015, I, you know, we would do recaps and results, and I would talk about it. I would tweet about it. And the one thing I have wanted WWE to do for four years legitimately is introduce a 24-7 title. I wanted it named a 24-7 title, and I wanted the rules to be similar, not exact, but similar to how it was presented. But I want to tell you, again, as I said earlier in the show, it's not the creative, it's the execution. Because I have never, including the wild card rule a couple weeks ago, I have never seen something presented and executed as poor as WWE did the 24-7 title on Monday night. There are a few reasons why. I don't mind Mick Foley being the one to announce it. He did a terrible job. Objectively. Terrible. He started talking about, like, the third hour of Raw and the set change, which is something else we'll talk about, which is a good conversation to have. And if he's bringing that up as well, that's cool. Interesting. But he made it sound as if the 24-7 title was a development on the third hour of Raw. Then he starts talking about it, and he's explaining it along the lines of the hardcore title, which is fine because that's the general element that they're going for. But he just can't articulate what actually is happening with the title, who's eligible for it, etc. Then he starts giving me good news. It's eligible for any brand at any time that is a good across book. the network. Women, he doesn't say women or men, but he says anyone. And you know, if you remember the hardcore title, women won that. I think either China or maybe like Molly Holly or something like that. Something like that happened. Um, and he's giving these like a couple decent things. And the bag is slipping that he threw into the ring, even though they're introducing a title. And it's green. And I'm like, okay, it's green. That's okay. Then he takes it out. And Brian, I don't know if you buy your son's toy belts 
And I say belts because that's what I mean. I don't know if you buy them toy belts at Toys R Us or send them from Amazon or WWE. I do, and they hate them, and I end up with them in my office. Okay, and you hate them. You know why? Because they're garbage. Okay? They're made out of plastic or foam. They have really crap. It's, it's, a, it's a bad facsimile of the real thing, which WWE charges $450 for on their website, $300, whatever. That thing looked like it cost $75 to make. It looked like they commissioned it Friday and got it Monday right before the show, and we're like, well, it's too late. We already announced this. We have to put this on the screen. Because it's clear they did, by the way. Because it's clear they did. The main logo of it is horrible. If it's 24-7, why not make it a clock with a WWE logo? The side plates are blank. They're just blank brass. The thing is tiny. It's smaller than the cruiserweight title, and it just looks objectively like garbage. Why would anyone want it? Why would anyone compete for it? And then WWE, which in every circumstance our entire lives when there's a new title, they either hold a tournament or a battle royal. They put it in the middle of the ring, and they go, (laughs) hey, remember that XFL scramble rule? That's what we're going to do. The XFL scramble rule. And that's how they crown the first champion. And then they go through Raw. And, th- and then yet, yet there's, a, there's an exchange on the ramp. And Bob, Robert Roode wins it. And he doesn't have possession of it. And he runs off and he gets chased. So you could originally win it just by possessing it. Well, but then it was pinfall or submit. I mean, it's I'm, I'm, I'm so not giving them credit. But, but it was ridiculous, right? Um, so then they do all of that. And they start doing the hardcore title old school where they chase him around. And, and you know what? If you want this to be a comedy belt in many ways and give something for the lower card to do. I'm okay with that in theory, but the execution, again, is so shoddy and awful, okay? Here's what a WWE, and thank you for giving me the time here, because it is passionate. Here's what a WWE 24-7 title is. It's First of all, you call it the network title, probably, or the 24-7 title or a TV title, but whatever. It can be defended 24-7, as long as a challenger has a referee. But when the challenge is made, it's a match, that must end in pinfall or submission. Meaning, it can happen anywhere at any time, but you actually have to have a match. You don't just get to like <laughs> roll someone up, they kick out, and they can run away with the title. It's like, did you ever see that, the movie The Program? Yes. And then there was a freshman running back, Omar Epps, and they gave him the ball, and he had it carried around campus, and they're like, you know, if anyone can cause you to fumble this, like, you... Right, this should be like, in the example of that, you have to go one-on-one, you get five minutes to take it from me, and if you don't, you move on. So, you, so this is the rule. This is the Silverstein... 24-7 network title, WWE. Someone from your creative team listens to our show. Give this information to Vince. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anytime, anywhere. House shows, network specials, uh, Waffle House, anywhere, okay? But once there's a challenge made with a referee, it's a, it's a pinfall to the finish, 15-minute max match. That's number one. Number two, once a person, once a champion is challenged in a day, no other challenges. So they only have to defend it one a day that... that that stops a line of referees and a line of superstars from constantly having these stupid matches, right? If the title changes hands, that clock resets. Any brand, anytime, that's it. I've fixed it. All of a sudden, it's a legitimate title. And by the way, the hardcore title in WWE, they gave it, it didn't happen right away, but they gave it prestige. The Undertaker held the hardcore title in WWE. Mick Foley held that hardcore title, not Titus O'Neil. Robert Roode and R-Truth in three seconds apiece. Uh, you just thought you nailed it by fixing it. Here's a great way to fix it. Do you remember when, uh, I think it was 1993, when Riddick Bowe was World Heavyweight Champion? Yes. And the WBC, which was also a green belt, mandated him to fight Lennox Lewis, who he was knocked out by in the gold medal round of the 1988 Olympics, super heavyweight. Yep. He did not want to be forced to fight Riddick Bowe. He held a press conference, held up a garbage can, and did a, did a what's her name, uh 
uh, Alondra Blaze, Alondra Blaze Medusa, yeah. and drop the damn belt in the trash, which obviously inspired the uh, Eric Bischoff to do it with Alondra Blaze because this is trash. For every reason that you said, from execution to the stupid belt to even worse than this, we do not need another title. Number one, the only thing that's redeemable about this is that it can be, it can show up on any brand or show. That's cool. That's synergy. That's crossover. That's like, hey, anything, a network special, anything. Pete Dunne showing up on Raw and challenging. That's fine. Yeah. Everything else sucks about it. It instantly became a jobber belt. So that person that with that DM was right. I don't know why anybody that's running after it and chasing each other looks like a worse level. Like, do you know how much I cry and bleed on the inside when the Good Brothers are chasing people and arguing with each, fighting with each other over? You're instantly not just a jobber; you're a trash jobber when you're involved in that. And if you notice, the couple times when there's people chasing each other, the real superstars like Sami Zayn stopped. And gave them dirty looks like, get out of my way. What are you guys doing? Because it's beneath them. So anyone that's involved with it, it's like, it's, you know what it is? I'm, I'm going to be really honest. If you're in a frat house, if you're in a dorm and this is non-PC, and this, but this happens in life. Sometimes there's girls who are promiscuous. Promiscuous? Promiscuous. <laughs> they might get around the whole the frat house. Everyone gets a chance to be champion. Same thing with that yeah, green belt. It's the you deserve it belt. Uh, okay, and... There's no place for it in 2019. So that's where you're wrong, though. Let me just finish You quickly. can finish, but that's where you're There's wrong. too many titles already. We have a brand swap problem right now. And on top of that, it's such a stupid and meaningless belt, and you're, and you're right about at least having parameters would be fine. But it's so stupid that anyone can win at any time, which means that it's worthless. On top of that, but what's oh, the best way to sum this up? It's... Besides that, it just insults me, ultimately. I lost my train of thought. It's fine. I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to pick it up. Here's why it's not a waste of time, and it is needed in 2019. Because 2019 is a 24-7, legitimately, social media culture. And my entire concept, when I talked about the title in 2015 and 2016, when I first came up with it, and guys, other people have probably had the same thought as me and shared it on the internet, and I'm not unique in saying that, so please don't think I'm like trying to say I'm some revolutionary here. But this is something that I've legitimately wanted for four years. The reason why it works is because you know how cool it would be, Brian, if you're sitting at home on Thursday at 3 o'clock and you get an alert that R-Truth has been challenged for the WWE 24-7 title by Chad Gable, and it's going down right now in the ring before a house show in Poughkeepsie, right? And all of a sudden, you click that alert or you click the Twitter live video, and you're watching a title match with two guys who can work. And you're going to get 15 minutes of action. And maybe there's a title change. Maybe there's not. It works for all of those reasons. It also, what they want to do, this brand split, it's a, it's a legitimate crossover title. Not just Raw SmackDown. But it has no meaning, but any so other, it doesn't matter. But any other brand. But you give it meaning when you put it on good people. So but they won't. It's a jobber title. But I'm so not arguing about what they presented us. I'm arguing about my concept for a 24 Okay, but they're not going to do your concept, so we have but to that's put your the concept problem. away. But that's the problem. But my, point is, it's, my point is, the creative idea to have the title is not bad. The execution is so poor because all they had to do was give it two parameters right. and give us real matches. And you nailed it, but they're not going to do your thing because they're not listening to our show. Yes, but, but they've given us this garbage. But here's the real deal on yes. this. It, it, it feels way too much like Vince Russo WCW 2000 booking because where the title changed into every hour on the show worthlessness. But here's you made a point about comedy. Why this worked in the Attitude Era was because those shows on Raw were hot freaking fire. You had a little bit of everything. You were scandalous. You had sex. You had violence. You had everything. 
And then that was just sort of the court jester thrown in there, and it was funny, and it worked. That's fair. And you had Pat Patterson win it. You didn't have right. jobbers. Right. You had women, Mae Young, all that stuff, okay? <laughs> Not jobbers, they just Mae Young. <laughs> WWE hasn't established in 2019 that their comedy is good enough where we can trust that they could make this work. And number two, this isn't added on to an already great show, Adam. It's added on as a Band-Aid to go, you know what idea used to work in the Attitude Era? This. So let's poorly execute it and just throw it in, and it'll be a nostalgic pop, and people will like it. No, we won't like it, because we don't care about, I'm sorry, at this point, EC3 or Robert Roode or every other one of the people wrestling for it. Titus O'Neil, it's a joke. I'm done talking about it. I'm never talking about it again. I will never on this show talk about the 24-7 <laughs> title again. Ever. Here's the thing. I, I, I appreciate that from you. I may need you to prompt me f- with it in Hero Zero or something if they ever make a change along the lines of what I am requesting. Because WWE creative team, whoever is listening to me, take this clip, do something with it, fix listen. this title. You can fix this title. It can be legitimately great. It can be fun. No, it can't. It can be. If Your you idea is fine, it, but it's still worthless. Even with, even by making it okay, it's still worthless. Fix, Absolutely. All right. Fix it. Uh, fix it and save it. Final bit of WWE before we close on our double or nothing preview as AEW launches is Dolph Ziggler was back. Surprise. He's in on this title feud against Kofi. His promo was fire. It was incredible. Uh, again, I don't have the time, but somebody DM me a long one where they're like, normally uh, Dolph sounds like he's doing local theater and he sucks. This was real. The storyline is great. It's easy. It's Kofi should have been me and it's not. Love that thing. And it's true. You know how many times they fought for the Intercontinental title and U.S. title? How many feuds they've had over the years? They're like the two most feuded guys. And it was fresh to see Dolph, not so much in a Jericho type of attack, but almost to that level, like a WWE version of it. He didn't look any different. I, I had the same Jericho but feeling. I was thinking like that's like the Jericho character, and, and I loved it. Um, and it was the ruthlessness that he attacked that felt Jericho. And by the way, the attack with the head in the chair was yes. perfectly brutal. And him coming out and, and saying, you know what? I'm going to explain. And just explaining. Not CM Punk-esque because it was emotional, but like, no, I'm, I'm not going to give you a blow-off interview. I'm going to actually tell you exactly right, fi- why I did Final it. comment, and this is how SmackDown ended. What do we got? I yeah. just want to say, I think the reason that happened, by the way, just to let everyone know, I actually think they were going to continue with the KO program. Apparently, reportedly, uh, KO told Vince and WWE he will not go to Saudi Arabia, which we applaud him for. Um, and I think they then had to find a new opponent for Kofi. And you not know only what? Will, if that's last-minute booking, good for them. Not only will KO not go to Saudi Arabia, I will not cover it. Or watch it live. Or watch it. Or watch it. Or watch it. Yeah. I'll read the CBS I may Sports have to recap. watch it. I may you have, may have to, to hire it. somebody to write that recap. Thank you. Final bit of news, and it closed on SmackDown. Uh, what are we doing with Roman Reigns? I didn't. I told you I didn't like the Elias match. It was a Raw segment they put on the pay-per-view. And now he's feuding with Shane, Elias, and Drew McIntyre. Who we already beat at WrestleMania. And it's fine to have an in-between feud that's not for a title. I have no problem with that. That's great. But there's this is so stupid. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It doesn't fit, and if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Brian, I said it then. I meant it then. I meant it now. Drew McIntyre should have beat him at WrestleMania. It elevates Drew. It doesn't hurt Roman. And if you wanted to keep going with the McIntyre-Roman feud, you could still be doing it. And now at Super Showdown, Blood Money in the Sand 3, or Stomping Grounds, or Extreme Rules, or whatever the case, you can then have Roman go over Drew McIntyre. What is this? Why are they doing it? It doesn't make any sense. You have a go. I think Andre said it best when he said, You pay, you go to come in my, on my back all the time. Because I'm not going to let that happen anymore. And before we fully get out of WWE, just because we didn't really talk about it. So along with that 24-7 title, 
Mick basically said that the third hour of Raw was going to actually be Raw, which for me gives me the connotation of Warzone back in the day in WWE. I don't know if you fully noticed it. They took out all the white lights. They darkened the crowd. The entire set was black except for the Raw logo. And they gave us two quality, a little bit more aggressive matches in that third hour on Monday night. I didn't did pick you up fully on any that? of that. No, I'm, I was power watching it in such a short period of time that I didn't pick up on any of that. But I think um, if unless Mick made a screw up, if they're saying that the third hour is when the 24-7 title will be will be so showcased. That's what he said, but it sounded terrible. It didn't make yeah, any it makes sense. No sense. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. But what actually happened was they changed. They legitimately fully changed. And I'm going to pull it up for you right now as, as long as I can. Um Sorry, I'm typing on my phone to try to show Brian while we're talking about it. Uh, but they legitimately changed the set, and it looked completely different, and it gave us just a totally different new vibe. Uh, and it was just something that I thought was really unique and interesting. And yeah, I, I, I don't even I don't even really know how to explain it. My hope right. is that the, my hope, my biggest hope, is that they actually deliver with it and give us something different in that third hour that keeps people watching and is maybe a little bit more adult because at that time after ten o'clock. That's who you're really catering to. Yeah, I think Omar said it best when he said, Now spill that milk and magnesia for me because I've made it, baby. I've made it. You've made it, but WWE Booking hasn't. Thank you, Omar Al-Rashid, our good friend. Hey, remember that guy? Uh, we have a lot of great friends. Remember Bob Balkland at TalkBox? Bob Backlund, our guy? Balkland, yeah. Friends, Roman Reigns, Mex-Americans, lend me your Mick Foley ears. Yes, uh, get ready, TalkBox. You and I, spinoff podcast coming soon. All right, Adam, it's time for a revolution. Are you ready for this revolution, or are you still going to read me something? I'm just trying, I'm really trying to sh- show this picture to you, and for some reason I can't come up with it. I am uh, not imagining There, there is a jet plane waiting on I know, here, let's so go, let's go talk. Here we go. Are you guys ready for a revolution? Yes, Conrad, we are. AEW employee Conrad. Here's what I'm going to say. You know my deal with the revolution. You know my deal with AEW. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. I didn't know and maybe this is me because I'm crazy and I'm traveling, as of Monday of this week, until our editor, Jack Crosby Arbroski, reached out to me, I didn't know that money, Double or Nothing was this week. <laughs> I, like, I knew it was coming. I knew it was at the end of May. It just snuck up on me. And, I'm, and I'll start off by saying this, Adam. Some of that is on them. I watched their go-home episodes of Road to Double or Nothing and Being the Elite. They didn't bring it. We, I said a couple weeks ago, I said... Remember when you criticized me for saying I, the same well, thing? Well, I said a couple weeks ago, I said, look, let's give them a chance. And I, and I still hold by that my criticism, my lack of criticism at that point was fine because, again, they don't have a weekly TV show. They have this short little YouTube thing, but they didn't use the short little YouTube thing. Okay, they told the hangman story with the, with the full body gear, but the combination of losing Neville Pock match – and look, we can say – Did you see want. it? I have not seen it yet. No. Okay. We can say what we want of StarCast not being connected to AEW, but StarCast losing The Undertaker and losing the Ric Flair roast because of his health – that sort of takes the buzz off of that. It's tough to see. But even just in general, AEW, Double or Nothing, I like the card. They haven't made me love it, and they did not use their tools to get me – to get the build to the point where I'm expecting magic. Two, three weeks ago, especially when we were talking last week about the TV deal, I was fired up for rightful reasons. And we may go out there Saturday night, and that show just may be awesome, like All or Nothing was. It, it just may – all or in. all in. All it in. may yeah. it may just have a, a, a something for everybody feel. And here's the, the pressure on them this weekend, Saturday night, Las Vegas, MGM Grand, is to establish something new. Let us know from the beginning what the feel, tone, taste, smell of this promotion will be. We know they're trying to be different than current WWE frustrations in certain ways. They're going to have elements of the past. They're gonna, I mean, look, that's what NXT is. It's, it's a mix of past and future. 
I, for them to win, they just got to go out there and execute. You don't have to overly blow me away, but they've got to be different. They've got to bring it. This is their opportunity. I'm not protecting them. I'm not like Meltzer here, who, by the way, seems to almost be like... Carrying their water fully. In some weird ways there. I am day one-ish revolution, but I'm going to tell you if they put out a pay-per-view that I think is pretty good, not great. They have to be great Saturday. They have to be great to get you to care about this weekly show that's coming. A lot of pressure on them. We'll start with the match in the news that we were both probably most excited about. Hangman Page against Pac, who formerly Neville in WWE. We thought that might be the introduction of their heavyweight championship. It wasn't, it seemed, unless they're going to do it on the show. And Neville is out. Pac is out because, what is this? He captured the Dragon Gate title in Britain? Is this it? Yes, he's had it for, like, basically since he left WWE. And he he was creatively unhappy with the direction the booking appeared to go, which makes us assume that he was going to lose cleanly to Hangman Page. And by the way, on a debut show to kick off a promotion, you cannot have a DQ finish or some time limit draw or some some shoddy stuff. You got to go clean. Apparently he was actually going to – so the booking apparently, at least according to Meltzer, who again – is almost fully carrying their water now. Um, the the booking was that he was going to beat Hangman Page, but they were going to have him lose to Kenny Omega. And apparently he wasn't going to drop the Dragon, da- Dragon Gate title before that, and he basically told Dragon Gate, and Dragon Gate wa- doesn't want him to lose until he loses that title. All right, so that's Wait. a big hole, because <laughs> yeah. what AEW has established right now, Adam. And again, look, we won't know until we watch the show on Saturday. So it's hard to criticize or overly praise them. We got to be neutral. I'm sobering myself up for you to just tell you they have a chance. We'll find out. But one part of them being different and then making their mark was to have wrestlers in their prime. Yes, they've got Jericho to attract you, but they've got Kenny, the best in the world, who's at the end of his absolute prime. They've got, the, uh, you know, everybody from the Bucks through those through the Lucha guys. They've got the young guys on the way up, the MJFs. Hold this for me, all right, turkey tips? They've got Hangman Page, who could be the center of what they have, and they had Pac. To lose him right now and to have the bad public PR of, like, this is day one hasn't even happened yet, and we already have creative differences. What's the future going to look like? I'm not going to speculate that the future is going to be bad. I'm just going to say this puts extra pressure on them that whoever is the booker, whether it's Tony Khan, whether it's a committee of the Bucks and Cody, that they get it right. Well, Tony says he's the final voice and that he's the booker. And the other guys are just helping with creative. But look, they want wrestlers to have uh, ability to help create their characters and and affect storylines and do all these things. Well, you just have a guy pull the Hulk Hogan creative control and say, I'm not losing. F you. And that's a big big name for him. And by the way, as much as we love Pac Neville, okay, he left WWE under similar circumstances. And Meltzer... Which we'll talk, maybe we'll talk about at some point. Carrying his carrying the water for AEW has basically now said, "I don't know if or when he's going to come back to AEW." At this point, wow, this Adam Meltzer heel turn's been great. It's not a heel turn, I man. It. I, it's not a heel turn. I respect the guy as a journalist, but like the stuff that's happened the last couple of weeks, it's just not good. Yeah, and, hey, and Uncle Dave, have some balls, show up. So, so being so just being honest here because you went on your diatribe and you didn't really let me get a word in edgewise here which well is, that's because my name's on the marquee no no I mean, and you should get, no you should always get that opportunity but you're gonna I, have your own podcast soon <laughs> but i gotta come back and say look a couple weeks ago i said this bc and they have however many match card 12 matches 10 matches whatever half of them i don't care about maybe two of those that i don't care about they've actually talked about on these shows the others they haven't they're just matches on this card and yes they don't have tv but you know what they do they have 20 minutes 
of undivided YouTube attention every week just on that show. Then you have the – it's not the kickoff show. What's it called? The uh, Road to Double or Nothing. That's Cody's show. Which has been which has the strongest of the two. Which has been far better than being the elite and is developing storylines. And they're not even mentioning stuff really on that show. And even when they do, they're telling stories about guys that like have been – Industry veterans that they're hiring to full-time AEW contracts. I told you I'd tell you if they failed, they failed. They failed. They failed. But but here's the thing. So they're, they're, they're showing me that to open the show, and it's a nice heart-tugging story. And yes, I know you're trying to deal with these smarks who want these, like, oh, my God, they're independent saviors, and they're going to change the business. They're the revolution. And, like, I'm okay with some of that. I, I buy into it. But if you're spending time on your go-home show, and apparently there's another episode that they're going to have this week. They're doing a two-episode week of being the elite. But if you're spending time in this week for this major pay-per-view, which, by the way, you're charging people $50 for. Give me Kenny and and give me Cody and give me Chris and give me everybody. And and why don't you develop the Jericho Omega storyline? Because you know what you you didn't do? Develop the Omega Jericho storyline. They gave me no reason to want to see that match other than I saw it once and it was very good. Now we're going to see it 18 months later. Adam Silver King is not wrong here, guys. I, I'm not carrying water. I'm not employed by AEW. I want them to win. We'll give them a chance to win. And, this- and But despite all that, I want to see the show. Damn right, and we will, and it hopefully it'll be great. But we don't know what's going to happen here with Hangman Page. Adam, I don't know if their plan was to announce that it was for their heavyweight championship the night of the show. But if they didn't, it's a major miss. I don't think you can start a promotion without a championship. Cody teased on his show that they had a title. They showed like a sketch kind of in the background of it. It's been reported. I may have gotten this wrong, so excuse me if I do get it wrong, that they're like basing it off of like the Mid-South American Championship or something. Love it. Really big, um, really big, uh, what are those called? Like the plates, just really big plates across the entire thing. And every indication, even in your, in your conversation with Paige in our interview, which was either last week or two weeks ago, I don't remember, you kind of mentioned, hey, this might be for the title. And he didn't say no. You know what I mean? So All right, so then we're going to give, we'll give them like the credit the they were going that case. So the idea now is what name can you pull that would There's one. fill this hole? I'm going to give you that one in a second. There's what one. that would fill this hole Close and two. make this not be a disaster and maybe even improve it? And your answer is John Moxley. The answer the number one answer is John Moxley. The other one would be CM Punk, but that just doesn't seem feasible. If they have John Moxley come out and they announce this title, they announce him as the mystery replacement, or maybe he wins that early battle royal or whatever they do, however they do to get Dean Ambrose, because I know what Dean Ambrose wants a piece of. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. He also wants a piece tag. of tag. Yeah, he also wants a piece <laughs> of creative wrestling. This fixes it. And if they put the strap on Dino as like, hey, WWE, we just got one of your stars. Remember that guy in the shield? And he's wearing our strap. I mean, there's no strapation without representation. That would be a great representation my, of the title. Hey, maybe not only put the strap on, maybe do it. Yeah, Pie match. My only question is, I don't know if he has a 90 day non-compete. If that like kicks in, even when a contract expires and it might. So whether that happens or not, I don't know. But he's really the only name who saves it. TJP too. Oh, God, God, that guy. So, by the way, Adam and I at the at the bar had such an argument over TJP. Guys, if you're listening out there and you like wrestling, I don't care if you like dabs or not. TJP was a top five worker in WWE when he was no, there. He wasn't. I'll let you yell and say you're crazy and all that. He, wasn't. he actually was. He knew his character. He was really good. And wherever he ends Please. up, first of all, let me tell you something. 
Thank you. Thank you, Kevin Nash. Um, he's very good. He's nothing special. The only, reason he, is great. the only reason he won the Cruiserweight Classic was because they wanted to sign Ibushi. They wanted to sign Zack Sabre Jr. Neither of them wanted to sign. The other one was Grand Metalik. He didn't speak English, so they gave it to TJ. Do you remember the best match of the best tournament ever, the Cruiserweight Classic? Do you remember that moment? He's a great wrestler. Oh, God, TJP and Kota Ibushi. Revisit that one. Yeah. Wow. He's a great wrestler. So uh, that's the other thing. If they can somehow pull a name we're not thinking about from AAA or from somewhere that we're not really considering and get them in there, that's a possibility as well. But, man, like, it's disappointing. It and is. And I told you, I think I told you when we talked about it with Paige or or, last, or whatever the case, there's two matches I really care about on this show. It's, it was the Pac Hangman match, and it was the Young Bucks Lucha Bros match. There's one of those left. That's not to say... I don't want to see Omega Jericho. I badly want to see it. But in terms of getting me to actually care about the future of wrestling, it's those two matches. We know Omega is going to be great. Let me ask you this because it's an important question. I have an airplane waiting. What match is going on last? What match should go on last? Well, it depends if there's a surprise here. Um, if there's not a surprise, then there's only one match for the title. They say they want to revitalize tag team wrestling. It would make sense for the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros to go last. No, no, not enough star power. Cannot do it. Okay, who's going last? Not Cody. No, God forbid. No. God forbid they did that. Okay. I wouldn't be angry if they did that. It should Two guys coming off knee surgeries, one retired. Oh, stop Come on. it, guy. This is a brother, brother. This is two it legends. It can't main event. There's two it legends can't main in that events. match, by the way. It has to be Omega Jericho. It has to be. This is the, the it has to be. It's star power wise, it, it has to be. And by the way, anybody, including Adam, because we had talks offline where Adam is just spitting ill dung out there. Anyone who doesn't remember how great Omega Jericho was and isn't excited it was for great. the rematch when it was a 4.75 star match, Meltz thought it was five. Um, it was great. So here's the deal. Let's say this closes. Jericho should win. Yes, he should win. You're going to have a short window with Jericho. As Jericho here, right? I mean, I mean he's, he's I an old he's, man. I think he's on a long He's deal, got though. big business to come in Japan, as we know. So have him win here, and then you, down the road, can do a third one or whatever. But I think, you know, have it, starting off with a big heel win here and continuing this feud isn't bad. It's tough, because I, I think Jericho winning would be good booking. But at the same time, you really want to establish Kenny Omega as your star. Because he is the okay, star. Okay, th then he has to go on last. He has to go on last. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you're, you, there's, a different, there's two different questions here. How I would book it. Or how I think they Just remember will. one thing about Kenny Omega. He's unbeatable! I'm telling you, Omega is unbeatable! It's how I would book it or how they would book it. I have a feeling they're going to put this title match on last. And the Lucha Bros are great. Let's also not forget, at All In, we didn't get the time allotment that we were supposed to get for that match. And now, although, I guess, uh, what's his name? Phoenix was in that, but... Uh, Penta was, you know, he faced Omega it's a big, great co-main event. It, it would tear be, the it, house down. It would, be, it would be a good main event, and, you know, quality of wrestling-wise, it would be fantastic. But honestly, without the Pac Heyman match, unless there's a Moxley edition or someone of his caliber, and we suddenly get that match in a really interesting spot, the card to me is, it's like a shrug. I badly want to see it. I want it to succeed. But if I was a normal fan, I would not pay $50 for this. And that is a huge deterrent to me. I will say this. It has the ability to win us over in the end. We can go in there with low expectations, and it may just be a great night. But I will say from the sex value, right? And by the way, my dog Sasha is in exploratory surgery right now. Shout out to Sasha. Let's hear her. From the moment we saw him, we thought, sex. Speaking of someone who's disappeared, Unfortunately, we don't see Buddy Murphy anymore. Sasha is, uh, yeah. man, she can't stay out of the ER. She eats bad things. Um, I will say ultimately here, from a sex factor, 
not it's not where it needs to be. It's not where Omega Jericho's big business. Of course, I love Phoenix and his brother. Of course, Cody Dustin is touching me in the field spot. Of course, I'm excited that they're putting over new guys. Like, should MJF win this battle? We're all pop for it. There's certain lower level comedic storylines they've done on being the lead that I'm interested in. I'm excited to see the women's triple threat match because I want to see what that division looks like from exactly. three of the biggest names. And Britt Baker has potential to be a legitimate star yeah. in, in the women's side. And look, even the Sean Spears, the perfect 10, Ty Dillinger, who's now officially announced himself in this battle world, he's not going to steal the show, but I'm excited about it. Joey Janelle, all that. Jungle Boy, whatever. Sammy Guevara, okay. No, there's where it goes downhill. I just don't... I, it's yeah. a buy-in match. That, see, that one they actually gave us a little bit of an angle for, but it's not a good one. I'm a, yeah. All right, so here's the deal. They got to win us over, and we'll tell you next week if they do, and that's the bottom line can, for Stone Cold Sets. Can we say that you're caught now, because previously, you were all in. Legitimately, we could say that. Now, I think cautious optimism. Right. I, I expect that I could have a Robert Kraft experience in the end. I love a happy ending. But, I, you know, I'm not necessarily guaranteeing it. And look, that's the whole thing. And even if they come off and don't win us over, and even if it's a slow build on TNT, it doesn't mean the revolution has failed. We want great wrestling right now. We want WWE to be forced to change. If you're not cheering for AEW, you're a sucker. The, Cheer for them to, to, be, to win and be good here. My, my biggest point is, whereas for All In, we were extremely excited, and they exceeded expectations... This, knowing the way they built that, and yeah, they have other responsibilities building their company, but this is that company's first real event. It should have been built better, and it needs to execute to the same level. If it does not execute to the level of All In, or at least close, because that really was like a once-in-a-lifetime type of event, if it doesn't execute close to that, I mean, by definition, it would be a failure. Wow. Hey, hey, uh, AEW, the pressure's on you. Pressure's on. Bring it. This is what you've waited for. This is why you lift them weights in the offseason. This it is where time. You're, you're on TNT. This is where the big boys play, brother. All right. Remember why you signed Jericho. I'm not here for the money. I already got the money. No, he's there for the money. I'm here because I believe in doing something different. I believe in doing something new. It's what I've always done my entire career. I am a maverick. I am an outlaw. I am a pariah. I am Chris Jericho, baby. Yeah. All right. I'm back. I'm back. That, that I'm was fired good. up for that. Yeah. You remember how long ago that promo was, by the way? Oh, wow. All right. I've been having some sunny days in South Florida. I did not bang sunny. I will be back on an airplane as soon as this podcast wraps. Whew. Say thoughts and prayers out to Sasha the dog. Um, and Sasha the human. Yeah, please. Can we see both? Come back. Can we please come back. back. Both of them. You know what? Back. People people like want her to leave WWE. I really don't. I want her back. All come right. back. All right. All right. And, uh, and Ric Flair, please come back. You'll never be first, but you might be next. <laughs> Woo! All right, Adam. Anything else as we close here? Nope. Just those uh, magic words. It is AEW week, so Kenny, bring it to me. Uh, bring it to me, Kenny. Come on, Macho's okay? better. You know Macho's Bring better. it to me, Kenny. Find it. What page is it on? Uh, no, Keep going. Really, this is the end of the show, I mean, BC. Do we really know? You got to be ready. You knew the show, the face, you knew the show was ending. Face come on. Face. Goodbye and good night, bang. Yeah, bang that thing. We out.